I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. We just finished last time dealing with the fact that Solomon says to everything there is a season, a time and purpose under heaven. And he gave these 14 couplets of things that there are. And then he said he's made everything beautiful in his time. And he comes through and talks about God. But then... He gets down to verse 16, and he realizes some things as he looks over God and what God's timetable is and who God is, and he starts out with this subject in verse 16 to the end of chapter number 3, the subject of judgment. And he says in verse 16, And moreover, I saw under the sun without God the place of judgment. He's looking at God's judgment under the sun that wickedness was there and the place of righteousness without God in judgment then wicked are there and righteous are there that iniquity was there and so what he's saying here is there is a place of judgment there is a time of judgment there is a place now listen this is attested to in scripture and there's a lot of people that do what they do who have believe that they're going to get away with it there's a lot of people that are lost that don't believe in God don't believe they're going to be accountable to a holy God that don't think there's anything that's going to come out of this life other than whatever they do eat drink and be married tomorrow you die that is a worldly philosophy and there is a creation that demands a creator there is uh, a thing inside of man that says there is a right and wrong though those values have changed over time and people sear their conscience and all these things there is still a sense in man of right and wrong even those that hold that these things that we believe are not true have a sense of right and wrong you look at our laws and the laws are based on basically the book of exodus where we get the Ten Commandments. They go back to the Ten Commandments and those laws that Israel had. Life is precious. And if you take man's life, then you go on trial and your life be taken. Now, we want to take that out, but we still believe that murder's wrong. And uh, that changes over time as we uh, add things like aborting babies and now come to the place where we actually see that they can be born and then killed right at birth. A lot of things that people are saying is not true as our conscience gets seared and we get hardened to light. But the bottom line is there is a judgment day coming. Go to the last book that is written, the book of Revelation, and we receive a word here for those who are lost that do not know 
the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And it says in Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. God's got it all written down, folks. <laughs> He's got it written down. According to their works, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever, here it is, friends, this is, this is horrible. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's no way around it, my friend. Judgment day is coming. But listen, my Christian friend, you know Christ as your personal Savior. There is a judgment coming for us. Romans 14, 10, and 12 says this, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Bema. It was a raised platform where you were given rewards for winning or you got nothing for losing. Here we're going to be dealing with loss and win. We're going to look at this in 1 Corinthians in just a moment. But in verse 12 of Romans 14, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You will not stand with your wife or your pastor or your best friend. None of those things. You will give an account of yourself. Now, Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 12 that there was a wise master builder, and we need to be careful how we build on this foundation of Jesus Christ. And he says, starting at verse 12, Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, that's the good stuff, wood, hay, stubble, that's the bad stuff. Every man's work shall be made manifest. It'll be declared. It'll be opened. It'll be revealed. For the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, the gold, silver, and precious stones, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, wood, hay, stubble, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Thank God. The judgment seat for us. It's not a judgment against us going to heaven or hell. That was taken care of by the blood of Christ. And when we, by faith, trusted him as Savior, but the rewards that we would love to have in heaven and the embarrassment we want to avoid needs to be taken care of in this life. And so often we realize this when we've gone down the road of two or three in life and realize, wow, I need to be very, very careful. Some famous preachers, uh, one in particular, says uh, sat right at a table and said that the number one thing that they feared was the judgment seat of Christ because things will be revealed and you're going to find out maybe you did something good and right but there was a thought that crept in or an irritation or anger and you ended up losing that reward simply because you were aggravated or upset you your your mindset was not in a godly christian manner 
2 Corinthians 5.12 says, or 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Solomon says there is a place of judgment. And then he continues in chapter 3, verse 16. He said, I saw under the sun the place of judgment. The judgment is there, is coming. But here's what I saw under the sun, that wickedness was being judged. It was there. And the place of righteousness, that righteousness was there. And iniquity was there. So he said, I, I saw some things. I saw that justice and wickedness and all that, uh, it all was together. And he said there was a place of righteousness that had some righteous people, but they were in trouble as well. It is, and what we learn is that there's injustices, that righteousness rises up and then gets pushed down and wickedness rises against righteousness. And there, there's this conflict as we who are living in this world know, we've seen it, we, we say it all the time, we've watched the trials over a time, the famous ones especially, and what he is observing is that there is unrighteous judgment against righteousness, and sometimes there's righteous judgment that goes the wrong way when people think, it, they're, they're say, but they think worldly. And uh, 1 Corinthians gave a warning about dare you brothers take each other to court don't do that your brother if you can't judge matters here like this how can you judge the weightier things and so we read things like in the book of leviticus you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment thou shalt not respect the person of the poor nor honor the person of the mighty but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor here's the key if the person's rich and has lots of money, should not change anything over the person that has nothing because justice should be based on the law, based on the testifying. And in the Israel's time, two or three witnesses established a thing. And we need to understand and make sure that we continue to understand that unrighteousness in judgment abounds, but God condemns it. In Malachi 2.9, Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in law. If you read the scriptures, you will see all kinds of verses about the judging of unrighteously. Give a, let's give an example of how unrighteousness flurries and things happen. There was a man by the name of Ahab, wicked king, married the evil Jezebel. He coveted a vineyard that was owned by a man by the name of Naboth. Naboth did not respond to the king's offer the way the king wanted him to. The king said, uh, give it to me, I'll swap it for you, or I'll buy it from you. I, I just want this. This is a nice, I, I can make some leeks and, and some, you know, cucumbers and things i'd like to have this garden and he said no it's the lord's inheritance the lord forbid me to give that to you no and he goes up to the house displeased and upset and sorrowful and his wife is like what's the matter with you you're the king i'll take care of it and so she writes letters falsely accusing naboth of blasphemy 
and has them go get him and has two people testify against him so it meets their requirement. It's unrighteous judgment. Naboth dies at that judgment. But God judges and says that Jezebel and Ahab are going to meet a horrible fate. And in Jezebel's case, she's not going to have much left. Maybe her skull of her head and some palms. That's it. And they're going to trample over the blood of her. My friend, that is what brings us to verse number 17, where Solomon says not only are there the place of judgment and the people of judgment, but then we see the horribleness of judgment, the, the, the fact that it's coming. It, it, judgment day is coming, the period of judgment, the period of time. I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. We've already looked at that. There's a judgment seat of Christ. There is a uh, white throne judgment. But he says, I know something else. That day is coming. It is going to happen. Solomon recognizes this is no longer just something we're talking about. This is reality. It is going to happen. For there is a time for every purpose and for every work. And he just said up above, if we remember in the last time, he hath made all things beautiful in his time. And for everything there is a time and purpose under heaven. He said, I said in mine heart, God is going to judge the righteous and the wicked. He's going to do it. Because there is a time to deal with it all and get it all done. I mean, when every bit of it's going to be, every Christian will be judged and every wicked person will be judged. It will happen. There is a time period. But then we see the perception in the judgment in the verses 18 through 22. And what we see is there is a present day. What he perceived was two things, verses 18 through 21, that though that judgment day, the final judgment, the one that condemns man to hell that don't believe in God, the white throne judgment, and those that reward and we either earn or burn up and lose is coming. But before we get there, verse number 18, I said in my heart, you see what he said in verse 17? I said in my heart, Verse 18, I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. He said, listen, I, I, was, I was talking to myself. I was saying to myself in my heart that God can clearly show them that they're living like animals right now. He can show them their wickedness right now. And by the way, in the Christian, he convicts us. If we're a Christian, God convicts us. The Spirit of God convicts. Then when we do not listen, he will send chastisement. He will whip us spiritually. And I'm telling you, that's attention getting. Things will happen. But we see here, he's regarding the subject of God trying men. And he's saying that they need to beware because that day is not only coming, but God also is going to do it now. And here's the thing. That day is coming down the road. Nobody can cancel it, change it, or avoid it. And God deals with us now, and you can't cancel it, change it, or avoid it. 
you can't do it because God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. That's going to be in chapter 12, verse number 14 in the book of Ecclesiastes. God judges people. Human beings are above the animals. And yet he's saying we're acting like animals. That's what he said here because verse 19 says, For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them, as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they all have one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. It's empty, it's ridiculous, it's worthless, it's meaningless. People come from the dust and return to the dust, just like animals. We're above the animals in our thinking, but he, Solomon was noting, hey, but we still come in with the dust, leave with the dust, we breathe, we stop breathing. And so he is seeing this, we've got a judgment that is here, and we need to be careful. Verse number 20, all go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all to turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward in the earth? Who knoweth that? Uh, yeah, the spirit of man goeth upward, the spirit of the beast goeth downward. That's the difference. He said, who really knows here uh, if the spirit of God really goes upward? Now he shows he's bringing doubt into this thing. He says, listen, I, how do we know these things? We're not any different than beasts. Solomon's back under the sun trying to think in his heart. And he's saying some right things. God judges now. But he's like, uh, how do we know this is the way it all works out? So as he's thinking through this, as he's working through this judgment of God, he's trying to figure out what in the world is so. We know that the Bible teaches our spirits rise upward, above the sun. But he is listening and looking at life under the sun. Now, let me just backtrack and remind ourselves that life without God is meaningless and empty and worthless. Life without God is absolutely destiny changing to the point of hurl into hell flames of fire forever and forever and forever to never ever get out to reject Jesus Christ is to reject the future of a beautiful place in heaven with the Savior that saved you that you should love now and praise now and enjoy now and Solomon has lost all that joy and enjoyment because he let worldly wisdom take over. As the wisest man in the world, wisdom became his life, and he got himself messed up. We go back to where God was angry with him because he did something he was told not to do. He was told not to intermarry with all of these other nations. He was told, many, and the kings knew this, that were from God, though the polygamy was allowed in the culture, it, God was not for it. And they were going against that. And Solomon made an affinity. First, Egypt with Pharaoh's daughter. And then you look at it, the Ammonites, the Moabites. These were all groups of people that never would have been in place had it not been for the sin of Lot's two daughters. They wouldn't even bend that group of people. And they were groups that God said, do not intermarry with. And he went on and named other groups of people in those verses. And Solomon loved many women, and he married many women. He had 700, and he had the 300 concubines. And he said, they 
took him and, and God said, they will turn you from me and from God worship to idols. And then it said it happened. And then God was angry with him because it happened. And we find then the kingdom splits after Solomon's day. Now watch this very carefully. We need to be careful that we don't let worldly wisdom replace heavenly wisdom, God's wisdom. The wisest man in the world was wise and wrote many wonderful things in his early days and, and was able to judge with God's judgment. And then he let this wild, worldly, wicked wisdom get in. And he comes back and he looks and he says, how do we know? You know, who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward? Who really knows? Only God knows. Well, when we have doubts, we mess up. The first thing that the devil did to Eve made her doubt. Then he denied who God is by saying, God, hath God really said? That's the doubt. God didn't mean that. He knows. This is what God knows. He knows in the day that you eat thereof, you'll be just like him. He doesn't want you to be just like him. Ah, oh, the worldly wisdom will mess you up. So when we get down to the very end of the chapter, here's what he says. Solomon says, wherefore I perceive. This is what I've come to the conclusion of. This is what I believe. This is what I have beheld. This is what I see. This is how I see it. That there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? He said, I just looked at it and I saw there's nothing better in life than you just should enjoy the work that you're doing because who shall bring him back once he's gone? I mean, you just might as well enjoy what you're doing. What he comes to in the end of his life is interesting. He says, uh, this is the conclusion I've had. Enjoy work and enjoy life. Now, I will just say this. This is a good point. We should enjoy life. In fact, as I have over the years read my Bible through from Genesis to Revelation, it has been interesting to me how God has revealed to me, especially last year and uh, into this year so far, this is what God has shown me. He has shown me repeatedly that the number one thing through all the ups and downs in life is worshiping of him joying him, having joy in the Lord, praise, fellowship, enjoyment. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You read through the Bible. You read through, the, listen, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Samuel. It's amazing how you see all these conflicts, but then it'd be rejoice. And one war was won without a shot simply because they praised the beauty of holiness. And they were delivered from Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, and we have the song of Moses. Isn't that amazing? We come through this life, and I'm here to tell you, if you want to have your words of witness be backed up as people hear you speak, they need to see a life that is joying the Lord enjoying the fellowship, enjoying life. When you're just showing all the things that the world is showing as your life does what it does, they say, Christ has not helped you. How's he going to help me? You act like I act. You react like I react. You are as nervous and upset and mad and bitter as I am. Why should I have anything to do with you? 
Solomon said, I perceive there's nothing better than for people to just enjoy their life and their work and their reward because who knows what the future holds. Now, for you and I, it's different. We know what the future holds. That gives us more reason to rejoice. That gives us more reason to enjoy life. That gives us more reason to enjoy the Lord. And my friend, I promise you, as you hear these words of Solomon, don't fall apart like he has. But instead, what you need to do is remind yourself that where he's frustrated because he doesn't remember, the Bible says, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, that's John, because it's the book of Revelation, write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Hallelujah. We have a bright future. Our future is as bright as the promises of God. So right now, let's wake up knowing the time, that now it's high time to wake out of our sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. We need to be happy in the Lord, joyous in the Lord. They need to see us as Christians enjoying the good things at his life and then let that radiate like a neon sign so that when people say, hey, what is this? That you are, why are you like this? He says, because my Bible says, and now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Don't want to be ashamed. And then we look down and we see that uh, there's the opposite. There's those that are lost. Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, to convince all their ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. There is a judgment day coming for them. We have great things ahead of us. So I want to remind you, don't be like Solomon. Judgment day is coming. Your judgment, Christian, is the judgment seat of Christ. Work for the gold, hay, and stubble. Uh, work for the gold, silver, and precious stones. Don't work for the wood, hay, and stubble. Work for that which will survive the fire. Don't work for your reward down here. Jesus said, "You Pharisees and Sadducees, you want to work down here and get your reward. Verily, you have your reward down here. But you people work, put your reward up in heaven, where the rust and the moth cannot corrupt." where it doesn't get cankered and messed up. The bank of heaven that nobody has ever robbed and no one's ever going to rob. Where the riches of God's grace pours out like a funnel. And as you dig the shovel into the riches of God's grace, it doesn't even dent the flow. And as all of us Christians around the world dig in our shovel, it doesn't even dent the flow of the riches of his grace. To God be the glory. Amen and amen. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us not to be like Solomon with worldly wisdom, who all of a, every once in a while came up with a, a good thought or a good wise thing from his Christian thinking time, but always ended up back under the sun without God. Oh, let us live above it all for you, through you, and to you. And may they see it in our lives and say hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Yes, I believe every word.
said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through I believe every word is true You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.